This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's Thursday. We've got, we've got a big match. It's Wednesday, but it's Thursday by the time you listen to this. And we've got a big match on Friday. And we had a match last Saturday, but my, my memory banks have been swiped. Like, you know, it's like one of those TV programmes where your memory bank's just gone. And I cannot actually even remember what happened last Saturday because it was so horrendous. You know, it was our 4,000th game, which is meant to be a time of celebration. But there's no celebrations to be had. And apparently there was something that horrendous happened in that game. But we've, we've moved on from that. Because we're thinking and we're looking forward to the biggie when QPR come to town. So I've got a Hammersmith, a different pub. We've never been to this one before. It's a Salutation pub in Hammersmith down King Street. And uh, this is wicked. I mean, I walked in, I've seen this pub before and I've got no interest. Come in the door, it's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. It's massive, it's huge. You go at the back, it's got a nice little garden as well, so it might be nice, nice for the summer. So we're in the Salutation pub in, in Hammersmith with the mates and uh, it's a good vibe. I'm Billy Grant here. And I'm actually getting excited about the QPR game on Friday night. And I'm sitting here with a few characters like Mr Savvy B. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, Billy. Um, I've, I've got previous with the, the salutation, uh, where we are now. Uh, 30 years ago, I came in with a, a black friend of mine. And we stood at the bar and uh, we stood at the bar and we stood at the bar. We stood at the bar and we were waiting and waiting and waiting to get served. There was no one else in here. And uh, it was quite clear that he wasn't going to serve us. And it turned out that a couple of weeks later, the Qualities Unit at Hammersmith Town Hall uh, started a campaign because they'd uh, had loads of complaints from uh, people that this, uh, this pub was a bit racist. But it was 30 years ago. It seems to be quite f- fine now, and I did get served quite quickly. Again, it's the first time I've been here, <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe the beacon was out over the past 20-odd years that maybe it shouldn't come in here. But now, uh, to be fair, this pub's wicked. It's got a bit of sporting action here. It's got a bit of music, got a bit of garden activity as well, and definitely a place I'd come back to. And also the barmaid and the bar uh, person behind the bar as well were very, very friendly, and there was no sign of that at the moment now. We've got the Allard. Hello, yeah. It's, um, it was a, a warm welcome when we arrived here. Um, Hammersmith, um, it's, I remember Hammersmith more, you know, the, the, the mid to late 80s and going to the Hammersmith Odeon for any numbers of, number of gigs. So um, that, this was kind of a place I came to on a regular basis during that period. 
Hey, an old rock and roller. I mean, you know, Motorhead and all sorts of malarkey, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit. I, I probably don't want to go through most of the bands I saw. Motorhead may have been the coolest, so that might give you an idea. <laughs> the Laney man, Dave Lane, how are you this week and today and just in general? I'm, yeah, I'm really good, mate. I've um, been to a couple of pubs this week and um, I've got to say, this probably wasn't the friendliest of the ones I've been to. Last night, it was, um, it was extra friendly in a, in a bit of a weird way. I was in, uh, went up to Arsenal um, to see Arsenal Reading yesterday and um, having a few drinks, got a bit of a book launch beforehand, just um, mingling. And um, this woman was chatting to me and in all seriousness, she said to me, would you sleep with Arsene Wenger? And I looked at her and I went, uh, no. She said, but don't you think he's a very handsome man? And I just, I just moved away. So, um, so and the next minute, Arsene Wenger came out and the, the yeah. room next door. I just, yeah. I just thought, I thought when I woke up this morning, I would have put a lot of money and been asked a lot of things and that wasn't one of the questions. <laughs> so anyway, Arsene Wenger's actually watching the TV in the corner. It's Man United versus Man City and he's, he looks very excited at the moment now. So, and we have a special guest today as well. And he's, he's very welcome. It's the first time we've had a guest from from the away side for a good year, year and a half. The last time was uh, was the Derby fans, you know, and we, we got them, we gave them right good abuse, and then they went away, and then we didn't invite anybody back again. Oh, what's his face from MK Dons that came on? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> what's his face? We can't even remember his name, and he probably couldn't remember his name Clive. either. Clive, Clive, <laughs> Clive. Yeah, Clive was a, he, he was a right character anyway. So, but anyway, we've got. Paul Finney, and he's from the QPR podcast. Very, very good podcast. If you ever want to listen to it, it's uh, recorded on Monday and it's out on a Tuesday as well. So check out the QPR podcast. We've got the Finney man, Paul Finney. Welcome to you. Hi, all right. And um, yeah, I'm pleased to be. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm pleased to be here. That's right. I've, I've, the question I have to ask is, why are you wearing that hat, that tin hat that you're wearing? Why? Well, I I know Hammersmith quite well. You guys don't, because I, I grew up around here. So um, you know, being being a West London club, you see, Hammersmith is near us. Ah, yeah. So it's nothing to do with the fact that you're going to be sitting amongst four Brentford fans and uh, you might be sort of kind of... I have every faith that Jesus will look after me. <laughs> OK, well, he's on the phone. He was on the phone a bit earlier and he said that he's a bit busy. So you might have to be looking after yourself today anyway. But listen, we had a terrible game at the weekend. I cannot remember anything that happened in that game. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, actually, tell you something. Hold on a minute. There's some. Do you see some lights outside? The police lights. It's, um, it's the blue, some blue flashing lights. Hold on. I, I, it's got um, forensic to forensic on the on the side of the van. Did you call, did you call the forensic department earlier? No. Although we have been waiting for some forensic evidence to arrive for a couple of weeks now, haven't we? That's quite, oh, we have been. I mean, I didn't think that they're going to get together that early. It's an envelope. It's been passed. I mean, it says Nick. Nick Carthew, evidence in brackets, liberal. They're liberal. Oh, gee. Well, we, listen, we'll have to open it up and see what we've got in that envelope a little bit later as well. And also, we're going to say to everybody, check us out. We think we're FSF nominations. are at Football Supporters Federation nominations for the best podcast um, or just for a podcast. And uh, it's a bit late because I think it closes in a couple of days. But we'd like you all to vote for us. So check the link on this and on the besotter.co.uk and vote for us, please, and just nominate us for uh, the best podcast. Thank you very much. But we're going to go back to the weekend. The Barnsley game, they came down, Barnsley came, they conquered. We were crying. So we went to the pub afterwards to talk to the Barnsley fans and the Brentford fans about how they thought the match went. I'm saying this has been our worst performance of the season so far. Um, It's actually been um, pretty uninspiring. 
Uh, Sawyer's has not had a good game, was substituted uh, quite rightly. Um, but when, you, when you're t- taking off Sawyer's and bringing on... We almost, they had just had a shot just there. And bringing on Hoffman, it shows that you're pretty devoid of ideas. Uh, I have to say that uh, we play like that on Friday and it'll be a real disappointment. So we uh, need to buck up ideas in the next uh, five days. It was terrible. I think that's the worst I've seen them play this season. It just didn't work. The first goal was from an appalling header from Barber across the goal. We just made some mistakes and we didn't seem to have it up front to convert. Combination, poor defending, lacklustre midfield and of course Scotty Hogan not getting the service he deserves up the front. The international break has seemed to stop us in our tracks. The last international break we've done really, really well coming back from. We, we had a good run of form. We seem to be entering a bit of a poor run of form at the moment. But I'm sure we've got the players and you know we've got the character. You know, I, Personally, I'll bring Harley back in You know, uh, in the London derbies uh, just for his uh, sheer presence and being the captain and everything. But saying that, you know, I think going forward, you know, we need to be a little bit more clinical in the final third. We didn't seem to be crisp enough in the final third today. Uh, taking an extra touch, playing short corners when we probably should have put it into the box quicker. Um, all in all, it was a bit of a disappointing day, to be honest. We we turned up today, we fought for every ball, didn't we? And just saying, uh, there weren't a lot between two teams, but I just think we wanted it more and when our two... Not brilliant chances, but chances came. We took them and you guys didn't. Two very similar sides. Um, quality fans. We've had a good mix today, haven't we? It's been a good laugh. We've enjoyed it. Good day out. It, it was very flat uh, throughout. I think we, you know, we started OK. And I think if we'd got the first goal, we, we would have gone on to win that game. Because Barnsley are OK, but they're not brilliant. Uh, but we were very, very poor today. And I think some of Dean Smith's decisions uh, were quite poor. In particular, not changing the team because I know you, you. Oh, before the match, you mean? Yeah, you, you know you're meant to keep a winning team and all of that, but we didn't win against Derby. You know, we, we drew, and I thought someone like Saunders should have been um, replaced either by Josh Clark or the person I think we were missing throughout the game was McLeod. McLeod uh, tracks back, he defends well, he's busy, and he plays really good set pieces. I think we missed that throughout the game. Even some fans have said it's probably one of the worst games that they've seen since we've come out of Division 1. Uh, I disagree. Um, and I'll tell you why I disagree. Um, because I actually think for the first 20, 25 minutes we were bright and lively. And, and I've, I've been saying this ad nauseum and people are probably bored of listening to me saying it. We, you know, we need to score first. Um, if we'd have scored first today, I think we'd probably have gone on and, and, it, and things would have turned out all right. When we don't score first, we are... We, we, you know, we, we don't seem to know how to break these teams down and, and we lose the plot very, very quickly. And um, there used to be talk of, you know, uh, plan B is do plan A better. Well, today we tried plan B and we tried plan C and we probably went to plan D by the end and it didn't improve at all because I think by the end we'd lost completely lost focus. Dean Smith lost the plot in the second half for me and I, and I say how I see it and, uh, you know, sometimes I think he's taken too much... Um, you know, he's taken too much stick and stuff, but I, I, I just think, I think he also kind of dug himself a big grave at the beginning of the match by picking um, Saunders for a second game in succession. And, you know, I know it's nice to reward players after a half-decent performance, but but you've almost kind of nailed your first substitute on, whereas really, you know, you're trying to use your substitutions in a way that, you know, you can reflect and, and maybe, you know, do something 
to, 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 to sort of improve the outcome of the game, but Saunders is always going to come off. Um, and it just seemed to me, a bit like, that seemed like a bit of a waste to me as well. I'm not criticising Sam because Sam doesn't pick himself, you know, and, and there are games where Sam will come on and he'll do a job. And I, I, I kind of feel there are games where you're maybe, you know, one or two nil up and there's 15 minutes to go and you, don't, you want to stop giving the ball away. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't have a massive problem with, you know, I'm, I'm relatively happy with him being at the club and stuff, but, but I, I do think that he's taken it a bit extreme to expect to get, um, you know, to start him twice within, you know, within two games, especially as we didn't like, it's not like we thumped Derby three or four nil, it was nil nil. So that says to me, we need to, we need to maybe be a little bit more, um, you know, we need to think about being adventurous, yeah. And, and to be honest, it also says to me, you know, how much faith has he got in McLeod if he's, if he's not going to pick McLeod today? Um, I thought booing of Sawyer's getting subbed was, a, not, I wouldn't say out of order, but um, a little bit distasteful. I thought he tried. It's not, it's not working for him. Booing him's not going to help. I think we kind of evolved from that. We're going to have to nurture players, and we need to nurture Sawyer's. It's some, something there. You know, we're not we're not quite seeing the full the full fucking um, the, the the full package yet. But whether it's this year or next year, he'll, he'll, he will he will learn from this. And booing him, I, I don't agree with. We're, we're going nowhere, Bill. We're, we're we're here. We're here to stay. Frustrating today. We need to up it. We need to go to QPR next week. We need to put a shift in. We need to make up for last season. So interesting views from the Barnsley and Brentford fans in the pub after the match. Interesting. I mean, some of the points that were said there, you know, a lot of people, Brentford fans, were saying that they were quite surprised that Saunders was playing, especially after the, the previous games. The fact that he started, they thought it was a bad choice by Dean Smith. The fact that McLeod also wasn't playing, people didn't understand why. And, I mean, one person said, who shall remain nameless, of course, that Dean Smith had lost the plot and the team had lost all focus the longer the game had gone on. But one of the main points that came out from that game was one of our players, Romain Sawyers, who obviously we signed in the summer. And uh, he's had a so-so season. Sometimes he shows flashes of brilliance and sometimes he shows flashes of non-brilliance. But, you know, he's still kind of learning his game. And uh, I don't know, it was probably in about the 70th or 80th minute when he was substituted by Dean Smith and there were ironic cheers from the terrace when he came off, which uh, affected him. It affected Hogan because Hogan wasn't happy at the end of the day. He didn't clap the fans off. He didn't clap the fans. He just walked off and he had a little bit of a Twitter spat, if you check it with, with a couple of fans, talking about the fact that you know he wasn't happy with the, the way that Romain Sawyers was treated. And there's been a bit of discussion about the whole thing as to whether or not it's good, whether or not it's bad, to actually, you know, booed in effect. It's, in effect, it's booing a player that you don't think has performed rightly. Savvy boo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a booing... Um, in all but name um, I mean they, they cheered the fact that he went off and uh, I, I think I mean for me it's wrong I think he's, he's a young player he's very new to us I mean he's what he's played 12-13 games something like that and during those 12-13 games he's shown some really good stuff you know I'm, I'm all for him you know I've seen players play much worse and get away with it and I think he's he's going to be a top player and we've got to give him time and to, to actually you know, in effect, boo him off. What I thought was was totally out of order. I mean, I think I think he's going to be a great player for us. I really believe that, and I think he's a good player now. So it's a touch of the Swifts last year, but I mean, Swift wasn't our player. I can understand a little bit of grievance against that, you know, and the the, the comments Swift made on on Twitter. But you know, Sawyer's has, has been a gentleman throughout, and by coming out and saying, 
I'm sorry that wasn't my best performance, I'm really sorry, just showed what a man he is. And I, I, I rate him, I rate him. Yeah, Lord, I'm going to ask you the question, why do you think that Sawyers gets so much grief from the fans? Um, he has a... And I, and I, he's not the first player at Brentford to have, to, to have this sort of... But he, he has a style that is... Um, I don't know if relaxed is the right word, languid. Um, I think... Um, I, I think people like blood and thunder footballers, whether technically they're any good or not, um, you know, is not always part of the debate. It's whether they can see them giving like 120% all of the time. And I think there's a view that um, Sawyers doesn't look or isn't giving that. Um, I would would make an argument that he is trying. Um, He may not look like one of these players that runs around you know, doing sliding tackles and, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think he becomes an easy target, and he's not the first one at Brentford we've had. We've, we've spoken about this before in previous podcasts. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's unfortunate, especially when it's a young player. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do hear about, you know, and, and opinions, and I've been quite forthright with some of my opinions. People are entitled to opinions, but I do think within the, within the ground and within, you know, when the, when the team are playing, um, it is kind of, you know, it, it, for me it's not... I, I've said this enough times on the podcast, so I'm just carrying on saying it again, is that, you know, don't boot players, it doesn't help them. Lenny? Um, well, fans love to hate someone. You know, in, in every one of the last three years, I can pick out one player for the sh- the, the, the fans, whether whether it's well, I've got any any sort of basis or not, but they sheepishly, like sheep, like get 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 you know anti someone. Clayton Donaldson, there was fans against him, um, and then the minute he's gone, he was he was you know he should we should have kept him. Andre Gray got a lot of grief. Let's not forget that. He, he was three months. He, he, he was missing. He did get dog's abuse. But, I mean, that, that's brushed under the carpet now. Um, Kirschbaumer was last year's um, scapegoat. Um, and, and then he started playing well towards the end. Um, he hasn't played this year, which is a shame. Um, to be honest with you, and I've said, again, I've said this a million times before, but... As a Brentford fan, I've watched some shit through the years, and um, Romain Sawyers isn't in that category. He, he, he will be a very good player, whether it's this year or next year, but he will be a player that we um, we will enjoy um, and hopefully will bring us success. We, he needs support. He doesn't need derision. He doesn't need to be jeered or, or, jeered or humiliated. Um, let's get get behind players that clearly just need help. You know, it's obvious he's trying. Um, and you know, a derby. I thought he had a really solid game. And he, he put a proper shift in then. Um, but the difficulty is only 600 Brentford fans saw that game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's true. But um, I, I, I just think it's clear that he he is trying, and he's, it's clear that there is something there. Let's not destroy that. Let's let's kind of encourage it. And as Brentford. As Brentford fans, our whole system is geared around buying young players who have got the, got the they've got the potential, but have either failed somewhere else or or partially through their journey, and we help them on our way. That is that is our that's the way we do it, and we have to help him on his way and help him develop at Brentford. There's, there's, there's nothing to be gained out of booing him or jeering him or whatever, and stuff like that. And I, I think it's out of order. Talk to Paul. I mean, last season um, we played QPR and one player, Brentford player, who was playing in a Brentford shirt at the time, who got absolute and total dogs abuse, who was actually our own player, was John Swift. 
at QPR. I mean, he got absolutely and totally annihilated at QPR. I mean, he didn't play particularly well, but not did the rest of the team. But he was one player that was absolutely singled out. And uh, even me and myself, I was thinking, God, blimey, that's a little bit out of order. And I think after that game, he didn't feature for us for another couple of months as well. I mean, Paul, I'm just wondering from yourself as well, your experience as a QPR fan, have you seen this type of activity and what are your thoughts and how do your fans react? I can say, I think it's football in general. You see it every week at every club. Everyone has, every club is a boo boy, don't they? Everyone has someone that, I've never been anyone, and that includes idiots like Mark Hitley, Steve Morrow, or anyone, because I always think if you're booing a player, you might as well stick a goal on your own net because it's, it's, it's kind of productive. It doesn't work. And I, I wish that my fans, our fans, would stop it. It doesn't, and it's ugly as well, don't you think? It's like when you hear it, it just sounds nasty and vile, and I don't like it. I mean, you might as well do one for the other side as I say but yeah it does happen and it's wrong especially on kids because you know these guys are very it's hard enough in the, this game as it is these days for a kid to break through the first team one or two bad games and you never see them again you've got to try and be patient with young kids coming back to this game at the weekend 4,000th game for Brentford 4,000th league game now I know the club made a lot of effort and, and they put a lot of effort into this because this was a, a big moment again for Brentford 4,000 league games it's a really great moment as you will do, there was, there was a lot of unhappiness that went on with that game. Some of it was to do with the way that we played our football, and maybe that sort of stemmed off into other things. But there was a lot of maybe activity on that game where people maybe felt that it, 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 it could have been a little bit celebrated a little bit better. I mean, Flaggate is one of the, one of the scenarios that we're going to talk about as well, because uh, the, 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 the club put flags on the seats for people so that they can wave them. Whether or not you thought that was a good or a bad thing, certain people thought that was a bad thing, but we'll discuss that now. There's so many different issues because, as we know, football is moving through different eras. And is it, is it, is it right? Is it wrong? But forget about the match. How was that game for you? It's a real landmark in the club's history. Um, it should have been marked, and the club did the right thing to try and do something special for it. Um, they invited some old players back. Um, I produced a video for it, um, which went back and looked through the through the, some of the moments in the you know the previous four thousand games. It, is, it was a special occasion, and I, and I think that really it fell flat on its face because the match did. I think a lot of those celebrations hinge really on if we'd have won six 0 it would have been fantastic. Everyone had been waving their flags, and I've got you know two or three flags hanging around the house at the moment that my son and his girlfriend brought back with them. And they kind of look a bit sad and demoralised and look a bit like... I mean, they, they, were, they were, you know, cheap and cheerful bits of tat. Um, you know, but, the, but equally, you couldn't expect the club to spend 10 quid on each of them. So, you know, I think, it was as, I think it was a case of ringing around, getting quotes for how many of these things can we get for 15 quid. Um, um, I, you know, and the other thing, I felt, I felt sorry for her. And, you know, the singer at half-time, what was her name? Analytics or something. And um, she, well, there's a link between you know Bradford statistical yeah. modelling. Even though, to be fair, you know her name wasn't analytics. So maybe oh, we, wasn't it? No, no. Maybe, maybe we should be a bit more respectful <laughs> to the woman. Maybe you didn't like her singing, but at least you can get her name right. Oh, okay. Well, well I've insulted her twice. In, but um, I, th- I thought I thought it was I think I thought it was pretty pretty. I didn't think she was pretty bad. I just thought you know no one wanted to listen to it, and it wasn't her fault. And so yeah. we're losing though. Yeah, it was. It was all. I guess, and, and as I'm saying, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the slagging off that we could do of the celebration is because we lost. And if we'd have won, it would have been great, and we would have been still waving our flags up and down, you know, Hammersmith 
atmosphere for one-way system. <laughs> Lee Ellard. Yeah, you are caught a bit between a rock and a hard place because I'm, I'm qu very quickly trying to go over my head and think of any half-time entertainment ever that, is, that I could honestly say has been, um, has been you know, the, the words entertaining. Um, <laughs> you're looking at me. You, 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 were saying, great. you were saying that you like the, the buzzettes or whatever they were called. Um, I can't even remember that was half-time or before the game. That was a, a period back in, you know, in, in, in Brentford's history where... Um, it, that, that always seemed a bit odd to me. What, was, what exactly was it? Because a lot of people don't know what you're talking about. It was a, it was some sort of cheerleading thing. It was, um, it was a group of, from what I remember, young girls. Um, and um, to be honest, I always, I always was was pretty uncomfortable with it because, uh, the, you know, I've always long thought that Brentford, you know, we should be trying to attract as many minorities to come watch Brentford as possible. But I really didn't feel that um, paedophiles was one of the target audiences we should be going for. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, as we move on swiftly, Sam. Yeah, uh, can, I, can I stand up for Annalise? <laughs> no, no not, not for paedophiles, but for, but for Annalise. <laughs> because, uh, it, yeah, it was a really, really bad choice of song. Uh, Unchained Melody is a really slow song. And you sound like John Simon Carroll. Well, I, 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 I'm, more, I'm more of a Tom Jones on the voice. Yes. But uh, no, um, seriously, they're a really bad choice of songs. Uh, because she was the one a few weeks ago did a pre-match version of uh, Hey Jude. And it was brilliant. Uh, they, 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 um, the club put it out on, on their YouTube feed. And it's absolutely fantastic. But it was before the game and the place was half empty. Because, as you know, we'll turn up late. But it was absolutely brilliant. If they did that just before the teams came out for the second half, it could have really got us going. But uh, it's, it's a shame. So you're volunteering to be her sort of vocal coach. and uh, you know, So you can go out there before the match and say, uh, Annalise, actually, what I think is you sort of come out with the old book and she can select the songs. You say, oh, this is the right pitch, this is the right tempo. No, I, I would select the songs for her, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, no problem. Good. I, I decide. She sings. Okay, so, so if the club's listening, all right, Savvy man, Savvy's your man. He's going to be the musical director, you know, at halftime, he'll be on the pitch with, with Annalise. Listen, Paul, I'm going to ask you, because we're, uh, we're talking about this halftime entertainment, which obviously, like I said to you, there's been lots of lots and lots of abuse, and there was to the stage where the club has actually put a retraction in there saying, look, you know, you know, this isn't, as they call it, Fulhamization. As a lot of people may or may not know, this is called as the Fulhamization of the club. They're saying, and the club actually put a whole retraction and say, this is not the Fulhamization of the club. We've tried really hard to do the thing. There's different people of different ages, and we've tried to appeal to them. So please bear with us. We've tried really hard to make this celebration right, which I believe that they have done. But obviously, you know, people will pick holes in with, with, with anything. But QPR, I've known down the years, have been a club who have tried very hard at half-time to try and entertain their fans. And they've done all sorts of nonsense, from what I can gather. And uh, they've sort of resorted now back to sort of um, the last thing I've seen is they've got that, that guy that used to whir around ten times round a pole, then he had to run over and then try and kick a ball into the back of the net after being all giddy. So you've kind of resorted back to that. Beforehand, you used to have people jumping from aeroplanes and all sorts of stuff into your centre circle, didn't you? Actually, I was that person who ran around the pool ten times and scored twice, actually. Did it twice and scored twice. You know, anyway. It's only because I'm cross-eyed, so I went for the one in the middle. It's quite simple. Um, now, to be honest, I'm normally trying to get as drunk as possible at half-time. Um, so I'm not the best person to ask what actually happens at half-time. But these days, we bring out old players and we talk about them and we interview them on the pitch. It's what we do now. Um, but, yeah, we have done some dodgy things. We've had parachuters in. We've done the run the pool thing. 
and then we went down that road you just talked about um, of having cheerleaders for a little bit. Um, the thought of it with anyone cheering at QPR is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, yeah. I can't believe you just said that, by the way. That, that, that's brilliant, by the way. Sorry. I, like, I like the one you do most weeks when you get 11 clowns running around the pitch. They <laughs> <laughs> do that normally for the most of the match, though, isn't it? So are we talking about Brentford to QPR here? Um, <laughs> Does this, this cloud thing scare you, by the way? I, I seen I see one earlier on down the road. He was in the pub. And he's going around trick-or-treat. He's dressed as a clown. And it's just like, seriously, from Belfast, you've got to try harder. Sorry. <laughs> So, so, so Paul's obviously, like I said, you, I, I tell you some of this also, if you check on the YouTube, we might put on the links, if you check besotted.co.uk or check out the, 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 the description box of this as well, we'll try and put as many links as possible. Derby County as well, one time, half-time entertainment, I don't know if you saw it guys, I sent it around, where they had this sort of big fish at half-time and then they end up eating people. It was completely and utterly bizarre. Like, you know, you sort of sit down there thinking, who the hell, you know, the creative director said, I'll tell you something, for the half-time entertainment, let's get this massive fish that goes around on the pitch and eats people and then when they come out they've got no clothes on I mean that sounds that sounds absolutely genius but um, (laughs) it sounds a bit like one of those Eddie Waring things like the the international it's a knockout so I was just on Frontier what was it called it was that wasn't it yeah Yeah, well that wouldn't happen now because now we're not in Europe we couldn't have that indeed indeed Burton Albion last year had two had a male mascot or male yeah mascot and a female mascot having a domestic in the stand and actually hitting each other and it, it wasn't like, like it was it was yeah but it was like kind of for real I don't know what happened between the two mascots but they started having a row with each other any QPR fan might listen to this can back me up and that was really bizarre to watch it from the terrace you go, like, mascot domestic yeah remember the so look listen entertainment We'll talk about entertainment loads more because we've got a new stadium coming up soon. But like I said to you, we part that to the back of my mind. But four, listen, Brentford will be going 4,000 years. It'll be 4,001, sorry, years. 4,001 games, QPR game. Yeah, yeah, it, just yeah. it does, on Saturday. So we're going to enjoy that. But look, there was one player that was missing last Saturday and we'll be missing this week as well. His name's Alan McCormack. He's a very, very, very passionate player. But unfortunately, he became under the law for a particular reason. We're going to discuss that now. So last week, Brentford's Alan McCormack was given a five-match ban and fined six grand after using abusive language towards a female match official. An independent commission found the midfielder had committed an aggravated breach of FA rules during our 2-1 win over Cardiff last season. Now, the fact is that we actually don't know what the details are. We don't know what he said. There's lots of rumours flying around, but we don't know exactly what he said. And also, we have to emphasise the fact that Alan McCormack has denied the charge but he's been found guilty and he must attend an educational course. We've been sitting around and we've been discussing this quite a lot ourselves, but also we've also put the word out to a couple of female Brentford fans to see what their thoughts are. So listen, let's have a listen to what they say and then we're going to come back afterwards and discuss it. I think the Alan McCormack thing is a bit, is a bit of a strange one. Um, obviously, he said something, I don't know what it is, um, and outside of the normal level of abuse that probably players give to referees. You know, he's he's gone a step further and, and, and said something that referenced uh the gender or is gender specific, I think, to the to the linesman. Um I think it's very difficult because obviously there are without knowing what he said, there are variously offensive things that he could have said. Is one more offensive than another? I don't I don't know. Um 
I think that the, the problem for me with all of this is we're told all the time that players are paid. They're, they're, this is their job. And we get, to, you know, when we get to say, oh, we expect loyalty, we expect, you know, the passion for the badge, we expect them to stay when we want them to stay, turn down the money. And we're always told players are, this is their job. And so, okay, so if we accept that, then actually they have to accept something and they have to accept that when they're doing their job, they're in a workplace and so is the ref and so is everyone else. If we want to have a professional game, some of us do, some of us don't, if we want to have a professional game, then players have to be professional to a degree. And, you know, if that means that they have to, and it does mean that they have to abide by equality laws and everything else, just like I do when I'm at work or, or, or anyone else does, then to be honest, so be it. I think the interesting thing with this ban is it's probably long. It's, it's, it surprised everyone, I think, with how long it was. I'd be interested to see if this is something that they roll out for every instance of this, because I cannot for, the, for one moment believe that this is the first time something like this has happened. Um, whether this is a regular thing now or whether it was just making an example of someone, I guess we'll have to we'll have to look at. Firstly, we, we don't know all the facts, so all I can do really is give my view on what I know really through hearsay. Um, I didn't actually even see the incident during the game myself. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, the line official, she didn't actually complain herself. Um, so I had three questions there that I wanted to ask. Um, did she not actually hear Alan McCormack? Um, so did he mutter it, and it wasn't really aimed at her, so she didn't... Um, he didn't really want her to actually hear it, but obviously someone did hear it because they obviously reported it. Um, was it because um, she didn't report it because she was not bothered by it? Maybe she wasn't offended or upset enough to actually make a complaint? Um, and my third question there was, um, was she really too scared to report it? Now, obviously, that's a little bit of a different story and quite worrying. Um, I'm just sort of scared of who she's scared of. Was she scared maybe of the FA? Maybe she was scared of McCormack? Or maybe even the other officials? What I thought was interesting was, if it's true, it was said that it was the uh, person in question's colleagues that brought it up. Now, what that tells me is, okay, whether she was offended by it or they were offended by it, if they've brought it up, then it's obviously something that's outside of the norm. So he said something, obviously, that's outside of the norm, because if it was normal, then I doubt they would have said anything about it. Um, that said, we can sometimes be a little bit worried about women in the workplace. I work in construction. I've, for, the, for the first time, I had people coming up to me and apologising for swearing, and that, that worked for the first couple of months until they realised I swore more than they did. Um, and that sort of thing doesn't, you know, we don't want people to be worrying about swearing in front in front of women or, or in front of any group or, or anything like that. Conversely, I've had experience where I've gone on a, on a training course and the training the training guy just talked about porn the whole time. And everyone on the course, including me, felt really uncomfortable. And you're like, okay, so that guy's being a dick. That's different than the norm. And I think a lot of the time, you know, we've seen people cry PC over this and various other things you know what i tend to say to people when they cry pc is you're like okay so it's a simple rule it's not a complicated rule you know you have to ask yourself am i being a dick right now because most of what people complain about when people say you're being pc is just yeah tell you what don't be a dick it sounds like alan matt was a bit of a dick 
um, and he's paid a price for it, which may be proportional, may not be. Um, if you look at some other sex, um, sexist incidents um, in football, um, like the Andy Gray and the Richard Keys that were on TV when they were discussing a uh, Premier League female official on TV, that was really, really unnecessary. That was their personal thoughts and ideas, um, which, was, which was nasty. Um, if you think of, say, a newspaper that has maybe a sexist headline in it, you know, again, that's really, really unnecessary. Um, I just think in this incident, um, it was just a human getting frustrated because of his passion for the game. Um, he just chose the wrong words to vent his anger. And if he'd perhaps used a different word, would it have gone so far? As a woman on the terrace, I think, and particularly as a woman on the terrace who, who reads Twitter, um, it's starting to potentially be a little bit intimidating. I think one of the things that really surprised me was um, with both the Alan Mack thing and actually the Chad Evans thing was the, the extent of the anger coming from a lot of uh, male fans at women in, in general. Um, at, at the fact, at the fact of us, and the fact that we exist, and the fact that we go places and do things, and actually that was something that I'd been probably kidding myself isn't a problem anymore. Um, you know, with my working life in construction and doing the things that I do, and going to football, and you think, okay, I'm, I can do these things. Um, and it's little instances like this where you think, oh, hang on, do we actually still have problems? Because if people are so angry about certain things just because the guy plays for our club or doesn't play for someone else's club or whatever. Um, the, the outpouring of anger at women as a whole, I thought, was actually borderline scary, to be honest. Um, yes, I've been um, actually myself um, received sexist uh, comments. Well, it was um, a situation where I took my wedding guests to a football match and um, dressed as a bride. Um, obviously got lots of attention from the crowd. Um, and while standing um, on the terraces in my big meringue dress, um, I had a few songs sung at me, um, asking me to get something out, um, which was just really just a bit of banter, really. Um, it was just, um, I didn't really see it as an issue myself. I was able to quite easily shrug it off. Um, I, 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 can't, I can see where it could be taken and someone could take it, you know, in, in a nasty way and feel bad about it. But at the time, I was, you know, not not an issue at all. More than anything, there's things that just exclude you a little bit. Like, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I don't have a wife, but if I did, I'd probably rather Sam's daughters didn't sleep with them. You know, um, I've had other, other songs where um, I tend not to sing about tits so much. Things like that. It's not necessarily that it's actually intimidating, but, you know, yeah, there's a fair part of it that you can't really join in with. Some of that's okay. Um, some of it, like the rape songs, is, is not okay and actually starts to be a little bit worrying and, and, and a little bit scary. But I think the, the, the bigger problem is if we're teaching our young people that are coming into, you know, teenagers come into football grounds in part to learn to be a man, you know, and if that's what we're teaching them is what it should be to be a man, then I worry about that more than anything. Me standing on a terrace and hearing things I don't like, I, I can, I can deal with. I would actually be quite strongly against um, if it had been a racist comment. And to be truthful, I don't really know why. I don't know why I, I see a difference between a sexist comment and a racist comment. Um, the only thing I can really think about is because it 
I can relate to a woman being given a derogatory name and I can quite easily shrug it off. It doesn't seem an issue to me. Um, but with um, a sexism comment, it just seems to be a little bit more culturally and socially accepted um, than, than racism is, which probably is totally wrong. Um, but it's, it's, it's just something that I think I could accept one but not the other. I can't really give you a reason why. I can definitely see how some women would be intimidated on a terrace, for, for all that I'm not. Um, at the end of the day, I think sometimes if you're bringing a new person, person who's not been to football before or maybe doesn't come very often, or if um, I know I've a couple of times people have brought um, a mother of their child to kind of almost get the permission to bring the kid along. And I think if you're not, if you've not grown up with the football world and, and being a supporter, I think, yeah, you, you would go there and you would hear things that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. You wouldn't hear that anywhere else. You know, even walking past the building site, you don't hear that sort of thing anymore, very, very rarely. And, yeah, for sure, if if, if it was, if, if I wasn't used to it and desensitised it in a certain way, then, yeah, for sure you'd feel differently about it because you don't hear that other places anymore. We we talk all the time about wanting football to be, football fans to be treated well and be treated like everyone else. Well, at some point, if we want that, we have to start acting like everybody else. At the moment, we're not doing that. Some really, really interesting point of views there. We have, you know, female fan who says that, you know, she understands Alan McCormack's point of view um, and, and, and she doesn't believe that he, he did it maliciously. And then we've got, you know, other fans, that are, you know, a female fan who's turned around and said that, you know, in the workplace, there are certain rules that you have to abide by and football should be exactly the same. And there are certain things that you can't do in a normal workplace, so you shouldn't be able to do it in football. As we said, the difficulty that we've had here is that we don't know exactly what has been said. Um, so let's forget about talking about the Alan McCormack situation as per se. What this has really flagged up, this and also very recently we had the Andre Gray scenario where Andre Gray got, um, he got banned for four games for putting out homophobic tweets um, what, about four or five years ago, I think it was. But what I find is very interesting, it seems that the FA, who have been completely lax in the areas, they, they've actually stepped down on racism, but recently with uh, homophobia, with sexism, they've been pretty rubbish, to be quite honest with you. And it seems that all of a sudden now they seem to be clamping down on these particular areas. So the fact is that whatever has gone on with this, um, this, uh, this Alan McCormack scenario, yes, he has been found guilty. He has said that he's not guilty, but he's been found guilty of aggregated breach, which we've done a bit of research into, which means that this is kind of one step off from calling the referee a fucking idiot. Um, and what we need to talk about here, though, is whether or not this situation within football is, is, is a possible situation. I mean, we, we've got a player who's been banned for five games, which is very annoying, but just, let's just get him out of the picture now and let's talk about football in general and how this is affecting football. Well, yeah, we, we do have to get him out of the picture, you know, but then, you know, but the authorities not actually issuing the words that were said puts us all in a very difficult position because, you know, you look on cyberspace and you look on social media, the words that are supposedly said are there. Um, but, you know, we, we can't say he said them and we can't accuse him because he's, he's, he said he's innocent. If, if the authorities have said, you know, it, 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 X, Y, Z was said, we can then we could then sort of 
go around the table thinking, you know, is this right in this in, in 2016? Is it right to use that kind of language, those terms towards a female? Um, what I do know is we can't be defending Brentford players just because they're Brentford players. I think that would be too blinkered. Um, we need to be open-minded and we need to sort of like be liberal for want, want of a better word, considering he's not here tonight. Um, and um, But it's clear that in, any, in anyone's workplace, whatever you do, you cannot be really confrontational and um, go in the face of, of of an official. If you're in a if you're in a shop and you've got a you've got an auditor coming in or or you've got an accountant coming in and you don't like what what they what they're telling you, there's there's manners we call it on beside. There's manners of behaviour that you, you can't you can't go in someone's face and start calling them all the names under the sun. And if you do, there's repercussion. So it's interesting. Lisa Rashid, who was the assistant referee on the day. And uh, the, the, the comments were overheard by well, someone else who actually was the Cardiff kit man, for what we can understand. But there was a situation actually in 2007, which was nearly 10 years ago, when Lisa Rashid was 19 years old. And she was uh, at senior county level as a referee. And the Sun featured her in a headline saying, Sexy ref aims for top job. Now, it, people might think that's no big deal, but it was actually it was a big, big, big furore about that at the time. Where basically people thought they they, 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 they they rolled their eyes and they're saying look this is typical because basically but she was just seen as being a sexy ref because she's actually quite good looking and what people turned around to her at the time they said to her actually you know you better be careful because you may not be able to elevate yourself and go through the ranks now because if you start to you know to create a fuss about this then people will say that you're a troublemaker I got a message from Marcus Gale and he just had this little map which was basically the equality chart and in effect what he was saying is that in these areas Right, this is against the law. You cannot, you cannot abuse somebody because of their race, because of their sexuality, because of their gender, because of you know their disability. It's just actually against the law. So what's happened is forgetting about the emotional side of things and 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 and, and on all these things, which I'll be honest with you, I've heard beforehand. Oh yeah, it's all banter and it's all, it's all, it's all of the moment and all this kind of stuff. The fact is that it's against the law to do it. Well, we, we enter into this. This area of, um, of for people, it's called the people that love to use the term political correctness. Um, a lazy term. Yeah, it is a lazy term, and um, you know, th- there's this whole back backdrop of um, you know stories like this playing into the hands of people who who do find it okay to abuse women and be confrontational and pretty obnoxious throughout their lives. To be honest with you. Um, which is a real shame, and it, that's, this is the unpalatable thing: is our football club is being dragged towards an area where the knuckle draggers would love to debate to be the whole time. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I, in some respects, I'm quite uncomfortable with some of the defence. Although, again, it is difficult to say when you don't know exactly what happened. But for me, it, really, this is about. You know, there is some defence. Oh, it's football. You know, it's a man's game, there's name-calling and there's bad language and that's the way it's always been, and I get that. But actually, I get concerned when it becomes targeted abuse. So you're actually targeting who you're abusing. So the words mean something to the person that you're targeting as opposed to a more generic frame. And, um, and, and again, not you know, th- th- that's where I see the issues in football is when it's to target that particular person or group. As a father that takes his daughter to football and my daughter should be as equal as any male supporter, it's not acceptable to 
make them unequal as it should not be um, a female fan as a male fan is equal her gender is irrelevant and I'm not saying he said it but I hope he didn't say it and no player should say it just because of the gender and, and Sam I'm going to come back to you but it's, what's quite interesting is that um, uh, one of one of the, the, the people that talked up on, on about this issue she said about how the fact that you know she said to, which is cool I understand that and she said look and, and probably the case he didn't mean it didn't bother but more to the point she said that she it's almost like she normalised it so it's almost like to go to football she would normalise the activity that took place so that you know everything's around it so if, if somebody turned around and said get your tits out for the lads or said something sexist it was a bit of banter and it's something that football now the fact is that some girls might accept it but other girls might say, actually, I'm not having some of that. I'm not coming to the game. And when the game is looking to get more and more customers, surely, like, this whole, like, yeah, look, this is what it's all about and you need to accept it, it's, it's, it's nonsense. And I could say that as a black person, because back in the day, everyone used to say, you coon, you, you nigger, you were going to beat you up and you used to get kicked around the place. But the fact is that people used to say, just accept it. That's what it's all about. But it was because of this inverted commas, political correctness, that actually made the space possible for me to come here and for me to take my kids so that they don't hear that, so my daughter doesn't go, Daddy, why are they shouting, you nigger, you black person, you know, to a player on the pitch? And it's changed because of people actually making a move. Yeah, I don't think you can make a case for, uh, you know, uh, it's a special place, it's, you know, it's, 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 a, you know it's, it's a bubble. You can't make that case. You can't make the case either that it's a he said a moment. Because everything's here at the moment. The whole of football's here at the moment. You know, if, if a player steps beyond a certain line that they shouldn't step across, then they should know about it. But I think there's, there's another person that comes out of this badly, and that's, uh, that's the Cardiff kit man, who is, let's face it, he's an informer. I think we're... we're edging in the right way in terms of the old evolution I think I think you're right you know this what what could have been termed as political correctness has led to um, situation you know that the whole situation be, being better in 2016 um, and if you look back five ten years ago when when a, whenever a female lines person would come on the pitch you know there would be get your tits out for the lads do you take it up the arse you know that 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 would have been sung that isn't sung anymore, I don't think. Um, I don't, not really, it may one, once or twice. Not every time. Not every time there's a woman on the pitch. It does. That, that, that isn't sung as a matter of course. That would have been like. That would have been real. That would have been on the old hymn sheet. We'll do that one first. In number. It's, it's edging better. I'm not saying it's anywhere near perfect yet. In ten years' time, what this, this FA and the authorities clamping down on this will help it become even better. Um, and you know, Alan McCormick's been caught up in the middle of this. Um, but I think in 10 years' time it will be better than it is today, and that's because of the, the, this crackdown. And I think what's interesting is that, obviously, racism is seen as something that you cannot do. So people say, oh, I can't say that, I can't do that. And it's interesting because, you know, one of the girls on there said, you know, if it was a racist incident, I'd treat it differently, you know what I'm saying? And look, I keep talking about this normalising and homophobia, disability, 
Um, female thing is way, 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 way behind. And what I will say, and I'm going to just make this one point, because for ourselves and from beside, we actually pride ourselves for the fact that we actually like going out, we like meeting away fans, we might leak in other people, we like, we're we people people and we like it. Within football, the idea of going out and meeting other people, like them Geordies the other day who are exactly the same, you go out there and you meet other people and you bring a laugh. And to me, bringing more and more people into football, I think is absolutely brilliant. And anything that stops that, I think is wrong. And the fact is that if somebody, if my daughter comes down there and she feels uncomfortable about going to a football match, I think it's wrong. If an Asian person or a black person or a Chinese person feels uncomfortable what's going around them, I think that's wrong. If a person who's disabled feels uncomfortable what's going around, that's wrong. And football has a right to actually make it feel better for these people because for years they've actually ignored them. And that's me off the soapbox. I think the, the bottom line is when you go to football, everybody is equal. doesn't matter what you are, where you come from. What team, well, it doesn't matter what team you support. If we play Chelsea, I'll give them heaps of abuse. But just keep it, keep it simple. Homophobia, sexism, racism. It belongs in the past, and let's leave it there. And, and what I'd say is people might call us politically correct. People might call us all these nonsense names. At the end of the day, to be quite honest with you, we just like having a laugh. We just like people. We like having a drink with people. That's what it's all about. None about this nonsense. And so some people might not like it, but to be quite honest with you, I don't care. But one thing we would always draw the line on, we would never have a QPR fan on the podcast. <laughs> or, or a liberal. Yes, indeed. So, Walter Zenger, Wolverhampton Wanderers, gone. Caldwell, Wigan Wanderers, gone. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, QPR, got... Actually, no, sorry, actually, no, we got that one wrong, actually. <laughs> Dean Smith, well... Oh, the forensic department. Hold on a minute. Let's get the forensic department in. Parcel for grants. Okay. Shall we have a a little listen to what the forensic department has delivered us here? Oh, yes. Interesting. I'm going to make a big call and say I am now not convinced that Dean Dean Smith is the right manager for us. Um, I know that's a big shout. It will get a lot of... It'll get a lot of people commenting, but I'm not certain that Dean Smith is not now out of his depth. Is he a manager who knows how to cope with when we're battling down the bottom of the league rather than with a team that's fighting at the top of the league? He's got a lot to prove in the next couple of weeks to me. I'm sorry to say that to him, but I'm starting to just, just, just get a few doubts. Let's see where we go from here. Next week is a very big week for him. So hold on a second. The Liberal here, he's been claiming innocence, but we've, the Forensic Department have just delivered us a bit of audio here from, I don't know, from, from back in the day, and, and he's sounding fairly guilty to me, you know? Well, he sounds everything in that, doesn't he? He starts off by saying one thing, ends up by saying another. Um, he kind of says he, he ought to go, but it doesn't, doesn't, really, doesn't really pin his... No, he doesn't really nail his colours to the mask properly, does he? That's kind of sort of quite liberal, like, you know, sort of sitting yeah, on the fence. Yeah, that's, that's a good word to sum it up, I would say, liberal, yes. So, so listen, but the fact is, I have to say this as well, because I'm going to actually stick up for our friend Liberal Nick, because he's not here, A, to defend himself, and B, he needs to go before the judge, because I think the judge and the jury, because obviously there's various other bits of evidence flying around, need to actually judge the Liberal as to whether where he actually sits in the Dean Smith scenario. Is there more evidence to I be? I think there is more evidence to come. Like, you know, the forensic department will be back here. It's just the beginning of it. It's like, it's, 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 it's like, it's like, it's like Watergate, isn't it? He's like watership down. <laughs> but listen, anyway, look, but listen, all these managers have gone. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is almost gone. Um, but we've got to ask the question, right? 
Is this getting just a bit silly? I mean, not to be funny, look. Look at her. What, a liberal? Yeah, that's, that's get out of hand, like, you know. But Walter Zinger, I'm not to be funny, but uh, the fact that he's not even had his time to get his feet under the table, has he, Matt? It's not unusual, though, for Walter Zinger. It's ten clubs in ten years for him. Um, so, I mean, to be honest, you, who employed him, um, sack them. That's my feeling on it, because it's just, it is, it just... Is, it's just completely bizarre. But what makes me laugh is that we come... I remember us at the beginning of the year and the podcast came and we were like, oh, ooh, all these t- oh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they've got loads of money. Oh, they're going to absolutely annihilate us. Oh, they're going to... Oh, look how much the money they spent. Oh, here we go. And look, here they go, two or three months later, and they're a laughing stock. Yeah, we see it. We, we kind of see it time and time again. These, these clubs which get this big injection of money, get these managers in... And then they, <laughs> they're inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and um, and and it, and it happens time and time again. Um, and and we kind of panicked about Wolves, but clearly we didn't need to. Well, except they did beat us. I always felt that Walter Stenger was a strange choice, and I think Matt can help me out on this one. But I think didn't he manage a team called Al Jazeera? He did. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was the star football team he uh, he managed. I'm, I'm thinking so. Uh, it was yeah, very strange. I think they had Ragiomo on the wing. But uh, I mean, that, that whole and yeah, so that was a strange, that was a strange one anyway, and uh, and I can understand why they might have got rid of him because he was a bit weird anyway, a bit bonkers. Oh, I think he's brilliant. I think he's brilliant because what what happens is um, another another team that is probably you know should be up there challenging for a Premiership place. They're just in turmoil for another two years, so that just that, that means they're probably finished below us next year as well. Because you know another another big name is going to be coming in, another load of money is going to be wasted. Um, you know they they just they're just fooling their own fans, thinking they're too big for this league. Uh, all these teams that spend money dreaming big will never catch on. It's just Walter under the bridge. <laughs> it's, and, and it's interesting as well, because we're just coming back to it, and uh, we just say that if, they, like, if Dean Smith was at, at Wolves, or, or probably at, at, even at Wigan, uh, his record that he had was it one win in 12 matches at the start of his reign. I mean, it, yeah, well, yeah, OK, OK, a couple, a couple of weeks on, but yeah. But he, he would have been gone as well. But also, just interested, just coming... I'm just gone, and I'm, I've done a little bit of an analysis here, like, you know, because I thought, you know, just seeing as we're a bit of a stato club and we like doing our analysis and stuff, so I thought I'd do a bit of analysis as well. And exactly... T- and That's right, Annalise, like, you know, that's, that's right. I've got to start singing. I've got to start singing some really bad songs, like, you know, sort of like... <laughs> Somebody to love. But, um... Mark Warburton, two years ago, actually, in this cha- and it, when he started in the championship, I mean, it was, it was all right, but, you know, he had five wins in 14 league matches, not too bad. Uh, we were 13th exactly at the same time with uh, 19 points after 14 games. And it's just interesting to see where we are now compared to then. So Derby were absolutely flying high with Watford at the top of the league with 26 points, and then Wolves were third place with uh, 26 points as well. Uh, Muff, Bournemouth, who ended up being the top boys, they were 24th points in the next place, then Borough, and then Norwich below them. And then after that was actually Forest and Blackburn and Charlton just below that. So we actually pipped all them lot to the playoffs. The bottom of the table, interestingly, 24th of Blackpool, I mean, they were gone. Like, you know, then just above them was Birmingham in 23rd with 11 points, and Bolton in 22nd with 11 points. And before that was Brighton, who were 21st with 13 points. So the following season, they did the complete and utter turnaround. So, so what I'll say is that is what's quite interesting is that this year, compared to last year, 
you've got, I think it's the, th the four teams at the top there. You've got Newcastle, Brighton, Huddersfield and Norwich. They're actually all doing better than two years ago when we thought the league was actually very strong. And then after that, everything is pretty much actually pretty much the same. Every position is pretty much the same as what it was a couple of seasons ago, but it's like the top teams are slightly stronger. Well, uh, I think, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for after 14 games under Warburton, we had 19 points, which is exactly the same as this year, isn't it? I think that's right, yeah. yeah. So, so, but I think under Warburton, we, you know, we were just all finding our feet, started off with a couple of draws, got a couple of hammerings, although we played well. I think Norwich and uh, Middlesbrough, we got hammered. This time, we've only really been hammered once by Newcastle. And although we got the same amount of points... We were hammered in principle, not necessarily... 3 ones not a hammering. We got, we got beaten, but we weren't, we weren't hammered. Yeah, but, but, we, but we knew we got well beat, didn't we? we, we yeah, I mean, we, we knew we, we were nowhere in that game. But I think, overall, we've held up a lot better than we did under those early times under Warburton. So I think, you know, look, look ahead. We, we, you know, we're in a good place. It just goes down to that whole club philosophy, isn't it? You know, you if you if you've got a way of operating, if you've got a system, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a vision, you've got a, a real five-year plan, not some sort of fictional Mickey Mouse one. You, you've got you got to stick to it. Um, we, we are we are doing all right. We are clearly doing all right. It's not perfect, but we can't be chopping and changing our managers every five minutes. You don't stand a chance. You don't stand a cat in hell's chance of making any progress. QPR. They had a vision that they were going to go from wherever they were. They were almost bust at that time. They put some money in, and they were going to be the biggest team in the world. And then now you're back in the championship again. Just looking back on, on, on that period now, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, I'm actually in that film, believe it or not, um, because I phoned up Sky Sports, and they phoned me, whatever. And, it's about, um, and we sacked Sosa, it was like our 100th manager in six weeks, whatever it was. And I was like, we haven't even got a five-minute plan, never mind a four-year plan. And that was a result of the Paladini years. Um, and it was quite toxic at QPR then. What people don't realise was that they put all this money into the club, but if we hadn't gone up, they were actually going to liquidate the club. That was the plan. One last go. We're going to go up. We're going to spend this money. If we don't go up, it's liquidated. It's gone. It's finished. And that's when, when we did go up. They, the first thing they did was put it for sale. We didn't spend any money on players. And then Tony Fernandes came in and the rest and then he spent loads of money and blah blah and changed the whole country club you know your manager has spent a ridiculous amount of money and your parachute money is going to be running out fairly soon we've seen what's happened to Wigan when their, their parachute money is running out this year because you see they're obviously panicking they're thinking we can't go back to Division 1 because we ain't got the money like we had last season we had the biggest budget in Division 1 so we got out of it easily but now he's thinking I think it's the last year of our parachute money, we can't do that. So he sat Coldwell, who I spoke to my Wigan mates today and they said we don't understand it. We thought he was brilliant, he didn't have the time. Okay, he brought in a load of players and they haven't quite gelled yet, but give him a bit of time, it'll work. But the chairman, who they've all thought was brilliant, young guy, you know, it was uh, my man's his, 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 his son, isn't it? You know, and he's probably, he's what, 26 now, probably something like that. But And he's meant to be really forward thinking, but he's gone boom, no. See you later. He's cut the umbilical cord there, but he can't do. But with QPR, you're like, two years ahead of them guys and you're kind of floundering around and all of a sudden it's like you know you've got Fernandez probably thinking I can't be spending that money you must be in a little bit of a pickle you must no I don't know if it's a pickle it's a kind of um, we're in perjury 
Um, we tried to spend loads of money, it didn't work. We're back in the championship, and then we're trying to find our, our routes to get out of it by going through youth, by going through this. But the myth is we're still spending loads of money. I mean, a lot of QPR fans say we haven't spent as much as we spent the championship, but in championship terms, we've still spent loads of money. And the results haven't backed that investment up. Um, I would like us to say, I would, I would like Rangers to, um, to, to go back to a policy of a good youth structure, um, finding on-cut gems and making every player part of the community because that's the only way you get success is every player is on a journey with the fans it's the only way you can go anywhere in football you can't bring the likes of Sandro in and expect him to go on the same journey as us because their journey's different So next week Wednesday the 2nd we've got a social the Besotted Social Wicked venue TBC but if you sign up besotted.co.uk we're going to mail you out we let you know the mail outs are coming immediately and basically it's an excuse to drink a bit of music and we've got Brentford legends Terry Evans Iger Anderson and Marcus Gale they'll be chatting to us and we'll be just hanging out for an afternoon or an evening just chilling out and drinking lots of beer so please register for the social and hopefully we'll see you down there next Wednesday and we've got another two to come which are going to be absolutely wicked in wicked venues that you've got no idea what's going on he played for the Bees. He played for QBR. But we've got someone who's got a very special message for all of you. Hi, it's Mike Rowland here. I'll be talking to Beside in the next few weeks, looking back on the QPR Brentford game on Friday night and also putting to bed some of the rumours and the talk from previous years past. Thanks. So interesting message from Martin Rowlands. He's going to come back and he's going to talk on the Besotted podcast in, well, whenever we ask him to. So that'll be really interesting. But listen, Martin Rowlands obviously played for both. But just going around the table here, I mean, there's loads of players that play for both teams. I just want to find out who your favourite player that played for both QPR and Brentford. Savvy B. Uh, I think for me, it's, it has to be Stan Bowles. Uh, he was... I know he was like, towards the end of his career, but I mean, he did play like a good two and a half, three seasons for us, and he was standout. I mean, in a really good team as well, a really good midfield of Kamara and Herlock, who were also, you know, Herlock is just fantastic. But you know, Stan Bowles really, really was a great player. I mean, there's there's others, but I'll let other people say those. But Stan Bowles for me, definitely. It's good, and I know that the Stan Bowles committee out there is trying to get a a, a, a game for Stan Bowles because he's got Alzheimer's at the moment now. So they want to get a game at QPR to raise some money for him as well. And, and they're, then they're asking for all fans of both clubs to um, applaud Stan Bowles on 10 minutes on Friday night. So if everyone can be aware, if they start hearing some applause on 10 minutes, can everyone join in? Because obviously Alzheimer's is something that we all um, have to take very very seriously. Indeed. The Men. Uh, listen, we're, we're very close to getting the game agreed, um, hopefully between both our clubs, and could every Brentford fan and QPR fan please attend, the guy's not well, he hasn't got a lot of money, his family haven't got a lot of money, they need so much support, and he's the reason why I love football, he's the reason why I love QPR, but don't hold that against me. Um, but Savvy B's already done the stand balls, who is your man? Well, stand balls, clearly, is it absolutely... You can't, but you can't go for it, you've got to go for another one. Um, no, Stan Bowles is... I mean, my, 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 my old-time QPR legend is Alan McDonald, but he never played for Brentford, so it's fine. Um, but Stan Bowles, and if it wasn't good for Stan Bowles, it would probably be Andy Sinton. There you go, yeah. And the Allot. 
Um, a little bit out there. Um, I'm going to go with um, this player. He fascinated me as, a, as, a, as an incredibly naturally gifted player. I remember the hat trick he scored for QPR against Man United. Dennis Bailey. Um, Dennis Bailey. Um, I actually think he's one of the players that I would love to see play nowadays because I think he would have suited the system we're playing. Um, free behind the centre forward, play him out wide on the white or coming in from the left. It'd have been fantastic. And a little mention to Gavin Mahon as well, another technically brilliant player. Well, mine's definitely Andy Sinton. Um, he was the player that we, we got in from Cambridge. Um, he he looked ungainly. He, he didn't he didn't look like a, a player with immense ability. Um, and for the two or three years that we, we were lucky enough to see him, he, he was he was incredible. Um, he scored some amazing goals. He set up some amazing goals. Steve Perriman really nurtured him, um, and we were gutted when he when he signed for QPR. Really gutted. Um, but it was it was something that we we were able to partially enjoy because he went on to play for Sheffield Wednesday, a, you know, a, a real big team, and um, and then obviously played he played for England. So you know, it was it was great to see. It's great to, to, for Brent, a Brentford player to. To, to go on and um, to, to watch his career blossom and yeah Sinton was class and um, we, we can't we can't forget the other Brentford players from the from the past um, George Francis and um, Jim Towers who played for both and Mark Lazarus who played for both as well all, all of them were, were were colossal players and and the problem with sort of presenting the show and being last of the line is that everyone always says all the exactly left with Mark Fleming, <laughs> the players that you know you're thinking okay right I need to sort of kind of like kind of keep the show going on here. So I can't mention Stan Bowles who was absolutely brilliant. I remember his curling corner he scored against Swindon at a night game that's fantastic. I also remember his first game he played for Brentford against Burnley when he took a shot just skim past the post and he made a very big impact on me. And you also talked about Andy Sinton who was very much in the era where we used to sing absolutely brilliant player and. Uh, the problem that Eddie May came in and and, uh, and and replaced him, um, and because Eddie May looked like Andy Sinden, Eddie May got absolute dogs abuse, very much like a lot of Brentford players are getting now. That's why I remember that. So who am I left with? I mean, Gavin Mann, I liked him and he was wicked. I mean, the, the player that I thought, you know, who I can respect, but I was just going to bring up Les Ferdinand. He played, he did play for both, but I do actually remember. I'm going to mention this that Les Ferdinand played for Brentford. He was absolutely rubbish. Right? And I remember in the players' bar, and I remember chatting to him, and he played the game, and we'd lost. And I think he was just standing in the corner, no one chatting to him, and I thought, actually, Les, you're really rubbish. But then he went on for QPR, and he was absolute legend after that. After going to Turkey for a few years, and he went there on loan, then he came back to QPR, and he was very good. So it's not a brilliant one for me, but there you go. But anyway. We're looking forward to Martin Rowlands coming on in a few weeks' time. Ian Holloway is another one we haven't, we haven't mentioned. No interest. You know, it's very clear. He's a great friend of Brentford, Ian Holloway. And all we hope is... Explain this to me. As a QPR fan, Holloway is an absolute legend to us. So what's, what's, what's the beeswax about him? See what he just did there? Well, he always gets our predictions wrong for a start. He predicts us in losing. He, he predicted us to get relegated this season, didn't he? And then he retracted it about two, season, two, 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 two months later. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he, he's a, I think we call him a doubter. Um, he doesn't, um, yeah, he doesn't really, um, he, he, he's quite critical of anything that Brentford do that isn't the norm. Because I think, and I think it might have been to the fact that he probably replied for a couple of jobs and he probably got rejected for them. But this is all hearsay, we're not saying that is actually true. If any lawyers are listening, please, <laughs> I have done put my name to this, okay? So Friday night is the big game. Sky have put it on. TV, so they flipped it from a Saturday to the Friday. 
Some people are happy about that, some people are sad about that, but nothing we could do about it. Let's just deal with it. We've got 2,500 bees going down there. We've got QPR fans going down there. QPR fans haven't sold out. Bees fans haven't sold out, but there'll be enough noise there and there'll be enough of a vibe to make it a great, great atmosphere. Eight games have been between us recently, and to be fair, it's been a bit rubbish for Brent. We've only won one of them. The last win that we had at Loftus Road was 1964, and other than the win that we had um, last season, we did, the last win we had was 1965, which is all a bit rubbish here. So listen, guys, the odds aren't necessarily stacked too massively against us, unless you think history is nonsense. Um, our way record isn't really great either, but that may be all in our favour. Laney, what are you saying? Well, history isn't nonsense, but um, it, what happened in the past plays absolutely no part in what happens on Friday night. So, you know, just because we haven't won in a million years doesn't mean we're not going to win on, on Friday. They, 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 those stats mean nothing compared to, you know, in, in terms of Friday. Um, I, I'm still scarred a little bit from last year, if I'm honest with you. It was such... It, we, although Brentford started fairly brightly in that game, um, beyond the first 10 minutes, um, it was a, a day to forget. Brentford fans at each other's throats... Every, the fans having a go at the players, the players not performing, the so-called not playing anyone up front. Um, it was it was a it was a it was a pretty dark afternoon. And obviously, the, the the result didn't didn't help. So we need to come back to Loftus Road and and, and set a few things right. And um, it's, it's that's down to the players, Bill. Um, you know, the fans can get behind their team. and hopefully they will on on, on Friday night. But the, the players need to put right where they they did let us down last year, and I, I think they'll be up for it. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from apart from last season's um, uh, win at home, I don't have any great memories of, of, of QPR games. To be to be honest, um, I missed a few um, over the years, and um, and there were some pretty. I think there were some nil nils thrown in the year that you know we we almost got promoted. So. Um, I it's funny though because I'm kind of like I'm I'm kind of open-minded about Friday night because I kind of think it's our opportunity you know I, I do go with that sort of law of averages thing and I think the, the law of averages say we will get a result Friday night I'm a little bit more nervous about the Fulham game the following week if I'm honest um, so yeah I'm I'm, I'm 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 up for it I hope everyone else is you know I really hear you know uh, over the UK it's all Brentford and everyone listening is going to be Brentford fans but as a QPR fan I hear someone says your man hasn't scored for 19 games the other guy hasn't scored for five seasons and you know what the frig's going to happen you know what I mean so I'm going to put that in my mind um, long may the 60s reign continue is all I'm saying and hopefully the team in hopes will win. I, listen it, 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 it's quite sad that and I really hope that this is a it's not going to be a sellout Friday, and I've, I'm really gutted about that. Uh, you know, these derby games, they rely on, and especially in Championship, they rely on fans turning up and, and not being ridiculous like the Premier League fans and just watching it on TV. And it's a real shame if you're a Brentford fan or a QPR fan missing this, that you're not going to the game on Friday. Please come next year because these games rely on a full grounds. We want proper atmospheres, we want proper derbies, we don't want Sky just ruining it for us all. I'll be honest with you, I got beaten up by Brentford fans years ago in the 80s when I first came over here and I thought it was Stoke City fans I don't mean that disrespectfully and I'm sorry to Brentford fans because I, I came over I'd known, I'm not a West Londoner so I didn't know 
And I said to me, why are we beating being up by Stoke fans? Because you're Brentford. And I was like, all right. Because we didn't play for quite a long time, along with Fulham and everything else. But I, I've seen met a lot of Brentford fans who filmed me in the history and I apologise for trying to take you over in the 60s it wasn't anything to do with me and I'm sorry <laughs> listen I tell you we accept your apology however you still have to take the penance and we'll deal with that later and I'm sorry I beat you up <laughs> uh, well apart from Jurisdin's winner last season and the disaster at Loftus Road I do remember the uh, supermarket trolley terrible terrible miss when he was like uh, literally a yard from the goal line and just just headed it over, didn't he? And it was headed it against the floor. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was bloody nightmare. It was, it was awful. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's that's my abiding memory. We, we don't, we don't want that again. Uh, but I mean, for me, it's bittersweet because uh, Sky have moved it to the Friday. I've already had gig tickets booked well in advance, so uh, I won't be there. Gutted. Well, thank you, Sky, as Sav says. So, I mean, Sav, you know, Sav doesn't do many away games, and uh, this is probably the closest one that he can actually do. And the fact that Savvy B's not there is actually an indictment to Sky, who, uh, who basically have completely and utterly messed his whole life up. So, for Sav, I'd say thank you, Sky. For me, um, I, I don't even know what, what you know. I, I can't think of a keep. The thing about I remember when we played Keep the first game, we were so excited. It was just like it was like just a new kind of avenue. They they'd been relegated. I remember we used to drink at the, the Nelson that time, and uh, I think the game was a twelve o'clock kickoff. So we managed to get Di, the landlady, to actually open up the Nelson at like seven o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. And uh, we put on a breakfast with Bloody Marys. And I remember walking in, I was a bit late because I lived in North London. I turned up from Stoke Newington where I lived there. And I walked in at half past seven and there was like 70 people like just sitting around. Is that, is that the game you bought um, Mystique down? That, um, I'm not sure if I bought um, Alicia Dixon from Mystique down to that one. It might have been, or it might, I can't remember. Yeah, was it? Yeah, and Harvey actually from So Solid Crew as well. Like possibly, yeah. Probably, yeah. Something weird about that game is you bring it back to me. If that was a game, I think it was. That was a game that we walked to to raise funds to save our football club. How times have changed with QPR. I've got all this money in that name days. We were actually walking to Brentford to save to, to raise money to keep the club. Yeah, the club that's right. and, and that's right. But yeah, exactly. Back in those days, and it was. Um, but the vibe was actually really, really good. Uh, I thought from us because we were just so excited because we were just happy to be there and the fact that QBR had come down to our ground everyone everyone turned up for that game or we thought everyone had turned up for that game I don't know what the crowd was probably probably a sellout or probably near to a sellout it would have been 12 yeah, yeah. 12,000 which you know which ironically probably nowadays we probably we might not even get a 12,000 sellout at QPR again like you know because they you know we'll be, we'll be close to or maybe I don't know because I, I, I don't know Fulham is sold out next week like you know so what I'm trying to say to you is like, it just goes to show you how it shows you how TV can affect the, the crowd probably yeah. and also how it's just normalised things where you know you play in the first time but now we're kind of used to it just like when you said when we get to Newcastle we went to Derby and well, Derby QPR will become like Norian to us in a few years <laughs> well they, they actually already have to be quite honest with you and uh, we don't actually understand why they hate us do we you know because they're just, they're just you know we're quite happy to be there and we'll drink with them Did Norian hit you or QPR hit you <laughs> Everyone yeah, us. that's right. I can assure you the QPR What's quite interesting is that he's still sitting here with his tin hat, so he's still he's still expecting us to sort of drop things on his head, like you know. I've apologised for Gregory. I can't do anything else. The confusion with us is we, we don't understand what the club are saying. One minute we're spending loads of money on Sandro and wasters like that, and trying to be Billy Big Chops and and do things and be amongst the elites. And the next thing we're back in the Championship, where we probably belong. If the truth be told, we are a Championship-sized club. And there's a massive confusion of what the 
whether you want promotion or whether you're heading for relegation or whether you're trying to build you, you, what you said earlier on about bringing in through youngsters and other teams cast so we did that for decades and that's kind of what we should be about as a football club so it's a bit sad that we some people say this is arrogant but we spent loads of money on the likes of Sandro and Sean Wright Phillips and Joey Barton and the club tried to be something it wasn't so I would like the club to go back to the 80s a wee bit and be something that we were which is developing youth um, having a bit of passion down there and being a bit of a noisy neighbour to the other lot down the road and beating them down again <laughs> so look anyway so for, to me um, I'm actually I'm, I'm actually sort of looking forward to this game um, and I, th- I actually think that we're going to get a result because we've been so so average the last three or four games that I just think that we're going to turn it around. And also Harley Dean's come back in and he'll put a bit of passion this side. I'm sure he'll kick a few of the players around if they actually don't give it. Me personally, I reckon that we're going to beat them 2-0, which I think is a bit of a woo-hoo. Oh, that's brave. Um, I'm going to go for the draw. I'm going to go a draw. Um, I, think, I don't think I've seen a score there. No, a one-all draw. I'll be happy with that. Um, here we go, the randomness of um, predicting results against teams I've not seen play yet this season, so I will go for the three-all draw. Oh, 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 oh. Um, <laughs> Tin Hat firmly on, I think it'll be a 2-0 QPR win, um, only because I never ever want to see QPR lose. Well, naturally. Yeah, uh, for me, because I won't be there, I'm expecting a 0-0 ball draw. You're probably spot on, actually. Yeah, so it's yeah, so, so. the season, why don't you? Nil, nil, Sav, Sav, would you? Sav, would you give up a 3-0 Brentford victory because you're not there? No, but I genuinely expect a 0-0 draw. Sorry, you have to ask Sav which gig is worth missing QPR Brentford for. What is it? Basically any gig if we lose, but it's, uh, it's Ben Watt at Union Chapel. Oh, I know with Bernard Butler. And Ben, I know Ben. He's a mate of mine. Ben, he's actually no, he's actually a Barnet fan. Well, he's a Barnet. He's actually a Barnet fan and a Hendon fan as well. So uh, yeah, he got a bit fed up with Barnet, so he actually went to Hendon. So I haven't seen Ben for. Because he went to Edgeworth. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was. I live in Yeah. So so yeah. So I've not. I've not. I've not seen Ben for a couple of years. But we used to sit down and talk about lower league football all the time. Do I got ones for Barnet fan? This is this is actually true, right? I did a TV programme years ago, which is irrelevant between me, a Barnet fan, and a Millwall fan, which was similar to what the Brentford fan did at the Palace fan the year later. And the Barnet fan turned around to me and actually said, so you're the QPR fan, nice to meet one of you. And I thought, I'll take that from some clubs, but from frigging Barnet, you're having a laugh. I mean, seriously, you're the one. <laughs> Obviously, the words got around. But anyway, so listen. But anyway, listen. Great evening in the Salutation Pub because this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and uh, I don't know, everyone had a laugh here? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, good, good laugh, like, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't worry mate, later we, we, we'll, we'll deal with Paul later but no, it's been great actually having QPR fan on there, he's given us a little bit of a vibe as well, just to let you know 2nd of November we have our social is at a venue in Brentford somewhere mail out's going out in a couple of days, just go to besotted.co.uk and you'll be on there and we'll let you know exactly what's going on, beers and all sorts of stuff, it'll be absolutely great Iger Anderson, Terry Evans and Marcus Gale will be on there as well, also um, check out the yeah, just check out as well um, FSF Awards, 
FSF Awards, just just vote for us on that one. We'll put the link out for that as well. Just vote for us on the FSF Awards, best uh, podcast as well. And other than that, QPR on Friday. We have got a pub that we sorted out very close to the venue. You need to, again, message us or email us and do whatever you need to do to find out where we're going to be drinking because, actually, we just need to keep it down. But it's lovely to see you and that drink with us. But other than that, we are hopefully going to win against QPR. And the tables are burning, as we say. Come on, Paul, as you say the same Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.